Today's reading is James 5, and it's uh, 7 to the end. Uh, you'll find it on 1150 of the Church Bible if you haven't got it open already. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too can be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. The second part is the prayer of faith. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make them well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for us, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring them back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner away from error will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray that you will help me today to uh, discharge the word I believe I've been given to, uh, to the people here, Lord, that we will all of us grow and understand what it means to uh, move in uh, practical faith. In your holy name, amen. There is so much to this passage that uh, I was asked to speak on, uh, but I was asked to speak on practical faith, and I'm a person who's used to taking orders, so that's what I'm going to do, um, and I hope it impacts on you as much as it has done on me in preparing for this, and I'll explain why. Let's start with what, it, what faith is. Because it's an interesting concept, and it's a fact it's one that I embrace often in my workplace. I love flying, which is a good job too, because I work for an airline which has the smallest planes, but also serves the most destinations uh, in the world. Um, I work as the security manager for Mission Aviation Fellowship, and that's one of our little planes. Um, we're a Christian charity, and we use planes to fly... Uh, to uh, take the love of Christ to isolated people. Um, so we 
Uh, we have 59 aircraft in our part of, of MAF, uh, and last year we flew to 639 different destinations. Uh, BA flies to about 200, so you get an idea of how, how we compare. We carried over 2 million kilograms of cargo on our little planes um, and 77,000 passengers. So we're, we do quite a bit. Um, and as their security manager, I spend a lot of time either on little math planes like this one here or on international flights going out overseas. I can tell you there's a lot of faith in keeping planes in the air. So far this year, I've been twice to Australia, uh, to Papua New Guinea, to South Sudan, Kenya, Chad, and Bangladesh. So I've been around a fair bit recently. This is one of the little planes. Uh, I went to one very similar to this uh, in, in Arnhem Land, in the northern part of Australia. This is called a GA-8. I've become a bit of a geek when it comes to planes now. Um, it carries seven passengers, one pilot. And one of the privileges of working for MAF is I get to sit alongside the pilot. I can see what he's doing, fiddling with the controls. It's got a maximum weight of about 1,800 kilograms, which is about the same size as a medium size or a largest car. It's got a wingspan of 19.3 meters. That's about the same as 310 pieces of A4 paper. I did a piece of A4 paper. Anyway, you imagine 310 pieces of A4 paper laid out. That's the wingspan, and that keeps it up in the air. That and a 300 horsepower engine at the front of the plane. So why is there faith, you say, keeping planes in the air. Is it not science, I might hear you ask? And yes, there is science involved. There is that the, the air flows over those wings, those little tiny wings, faster than the, wing, the air going underneath the wing. And that generates a lower pressure, and that pressure generates lift, and basically the wings just lift you up in the air. So there is science involved, but there is faith. There is faith that the pilot has been trained. There is faith that the pilot has slept well and is not feeling sick and is physically up for the flight. There's faith in the HR people who recruited the pilot. Did they check the qualifications properly? There is faith in the engineer who took the engine to pieces and then put it back together again. Did they leave a spanner in the back of the plane? Who stripped out the old avionics, all the navigation stuff, and then put them back in again? There is faith in the ground staff that they closed the door properly so that our luggage won't fall out of the plane, or it becomes unbalanced because it's been, unloaded been loaded incorrectly. These, our planes are so small that I was in South Sudan flying, and the, and the pilot said, well, we've got, I mean, you have to get a stand on the scales as a person before you get on the plane. It's that small, you have to weigh everything, literally everything. Um, and the pilot said, well, he only weighed 75 kilos. They allow 90 kilos pilot weights. So that means we've got an extra 15 kilos spare, which means we'll be able to take off. It was that tighter. You think 15 kilos is not an awful lot. There is faith in the air traffic control staff that when they say that it's clear for us to take off, it actually is clear. And there's also faith in the ground staff that they keep the airstrips free of cattle and small children. Um, and those are real hazards that we face, because that's one of the airstrips. That's the airstrip in uh, Chikadong in uh, South Sudan. It literally is just a strip of grass. Um, we landed there. There were two guys at the end. We turned round. They stood on the scales. We weighed them. We weighed their bags. They got on the plane. Off we took. You know, that was it. We were only on the ground for about 15 minutes. Um, there's another, another one there. This is uh, what literally we've just come back from, from Arnhem Land, uh, in the right, right the northern region, region of Australia. You think Australia is a first world country, it's, been, you know, it's got, you know, big, you know, got Sydney Opera House. 
but actually that's at one end and this is the other end of the country literally and, and this is just in, so remote. This is Crocodile Dante territory um, and you know it can take you days to drive to these places, uh, they're so remote. And this is the, the passenger entrance uh, that's the little bit where you sit when you want to get on one of our planes. That's our office, which is uh, yeah, pretty small. So most of the times when you fly, you might not see these things, but I'm privileged to see behind the magician's curtain, as it were, to see the things that are keeping the MAF planes in the air. And if you want to know more about MAF, there are some posters at the back, there's some prayer leaflets, um, some prayer diaries uh, to encourage you to pray. And you can sign up for those, you can get them online. And you can get an email sent to you each day to say, can you pray today for this? So today we're thanking God for a little boy in Papua New Guinea who broke his leg. And as a result of one of our planes getting there to pick him up, they took him to the hospital and he got his leg fixed so he'd be able to walk again. Um, but the reality is, if it hadn't been for one of our planes getting there, he wouldn't have got to hospital for days, if at all, because... It can take days to walk through the bush in Papua New Guinea um, to get to, to a hospital. So we've had a look, look at my faith in flying. But there's more to faith than just a belief or trust. There needs to be action. There has to be action. There has to be action for me to actually get onto the plane. My faith doesn't exist until I get onto that plane. Before, I might trust it takes off, but my faith is demonstrated when I get on board. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 11 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. But faith does not stop with a belief. There needs to be something that happens as a result of that faith. In chapter 11 of Hebrews, we see that by faith, the universe was formed at God's command. Abel brought an offering better than Cain. Enoch pleased God so he didn't experience death. Noah built the ark. Abraham made a home in a foreign land when he was called to go there. Sarah became a mother. Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Jacob blessed Joseph's sons and said he didn't want to be buried there, but a home in, uh, not in Egypt. Moses' parents hid him from Pharaoh. Moses uh, left the choice life of an Egyptian prince to lead the people of God. The people of Israel passed through the Red Sea. The walls of Jericho fell down when the people marched round them. And Rahab the prostitute was saved when the city of Jericho fell because she helped the spies. None of them had heard about Jesus. None of them knew about the salvation of the cross. But they all demonstrated faith because of through their actions and what they did. So faith is more than just believing or positive thoughts. It has action linked to it. Earlier in James, we saw that in James 2 verse 26, that faith without deeds is dead. So we need to have action to have faith. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have deeds to earn your salvation. That's not right. No. We know that through, we are saved through grace. It's a gift of God. But that grace needs to compel us to, have, have to do deeds. Now, in the passage, we're encouraged to pray for the sick, to pray in faith. All of those people in, in Hebrews 11 had some form of action or event that they had faith in. It wasn't just head knowledge from them. And we see the same with the disciples after Jesus goes into heaven. The book of Acts has a load of miracles in it. Healing, times when God comes with the power, uh, in power and through the apostles heals people. And that's what I want to focus on today, about the healing and how faith moves in healing. In the book of, Apostles, we, uh, book of Acts of the Apostles, 
We hear that Peter heals the man who's lame in the temple. Peter's shadow being enough to heal. Philip in Samaria, when many were paralyzed or lame, were healed. Peter, who tells Aeneas to, uh, to get up and roll up his mat. Peter raising Tabitha from the dead. Paul healing the man who was lame from birth. Paul healing a man of fever and dysentery, and then the rest of the people on the island who were sick. God heals, and that healing doesn't stop when Jesus left the earth. Because we can add to that list Grace Barnett praying for Lucy Stubbings and seeing her racing heart slow down. Because God still heals today. So how do we grow in faith? How do we take our faith, as small as it might be, and put it into action? I want to say, I heard a fantastic sermon recently, and, I, and the preacher had three points, as all good preachers have three points. Um, and I decided to basically nick those three points. We, we used to call it borrow with pride in the police, but I, it's just theft, basically. Um, so the, f- the first point that he said was to look up. Focus on Jesus Get to know how he operates. Have a relationship with Jesus. In Romans 10, 17, we hear that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to grow in faith, we need to get into the word of God to understand what God's saying to us. Faith grows when we see what Jesus did and what he can still do today. Expect him to answer the prayer of faith. The leper asked if Jesus was willing to heal him and his reaction was, of course, I'm willing to heal you. In the same way children expect their parents to look after them and provide for them, how much more will our Father give us good gifts if we ask him? So first thing is look up. The second thing we need to do is step up. And what do I mean? I mean step out of the boat. Step up to the plate, whatever that analogy you want to use, and see what will happen. We've heard that faith without deeds is dead. Trust and expectation, when it goes into action, becomes faith. Now, to pray for the sick, what do you need? Well, James says about calling for the elders of the church, but in effectively, James was t- James's book was written right at the start of, 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 uh, of, of the church. Um, and it was, in fact, it was believed to be one of the first letters written. But actually, what, you need two things to, be, to pray for the sick. First thing is you need is a pulse. And the second thing is to be a follower of Jesus. Now, if you haven't got a pulse, then we'll pray for you because he raised Tabitha from the dead. Let's, let's give that a go. But the second thing is to be a follower of Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sin? Are you a follower of Jesus? Because that's the, two, that's the qualification. When you read the Bible, you see that Jesus was wanting to heal those who are sick. He wanted to do it. And we know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Has he changed? Does he not want to heal? Have we not sung about healing this morning? Now, there's no such thing as a certainty. And some say that faith is better spelt R-I-S-K, risk. So we need to step out in faith. A helpful picture is of a person standing on a diving board. And they look down and and the pool is empty. And faith is not standing there saying, God, fill the pool, and then I'll jump in. Faith is saying, I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to have faith that God will fill the pool as I'm falling. Now, I'm not suggesting you go and actually go down to Whitsall Swimming Pool, empty all the water out, and jump in. It's an analogy. But that, how can that feel sometimes when we're approaching something and say, do I jump in to that faith? Do I take that step? 
and trust that God will meet me. Pray, pray for someone. Seek God for someone, for that person to be healed. So, look up, step up, and then the last thing, third thing, is repeat. So you've done the looking up, you've done the, uh, the stepping up, repeat. In the same way that muscle has to be worked, has to be stretched over a period of time to grow, so we need that to grow our faith. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. John Wimber had an amazing healing ministry. He said that his church prayed for six months before they saw the miracles start. Six months of, of continually being persistent, repeating what they're doing. In the same way as the persistent widow in Luke 18 keeps asking the judge for justice. So we have to keep coming before God. So we have a choice. We can step out and pray for those who need a healing touch from God. And if we get it wrong, actually nobody dies. If we get it right, people are touched by God. And they can be healed and set free. Someone comes to life. Now what happens if God doesn't heal? Well, actually he still loves the person. And he might choose to heal them later. When I was in Australia recently, I was invited to a men's meeting. I had a men's group on a Monday night, and uh, I was a bit jet-lagged. I seemed to be jet-lagged for the whole time I was there, but I was a bit jet-lagged, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go. And they showed a fantastic video called Jesus in You. And I want to show you a short clip about a reaction to someone from praying for the people who are sick. These guys are going out in the streets and praying for people who they find on the streets. This is, this is taking a diving board that's a long way up with a big empty pool and taking a risk. It's very real what you see. Some of the reactions are real of people that have been healed. But if you can play the video, Tom, that would be awesome. Thank you. This guy healed. I prayed for the sick all the time for a few years and not one person was healed. I was so frustrated. I was like, God, what is the deal? Uh, but I probably sound more like, God, what's the deal? <laughs> Sometimes we, you know, sanitize our prayers, and it's like all, oh, God, I'm doing okay. And God's like, you're not doing okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> Most of the book of Psalms is pretty raw. It's pretty real. And so I was at that point where it was pretty raw. It was like, God, what's the deal? Why is it nobody's getting healed? And I told God, I was like, God, I quit. I'll keep praying for people, but I can't make this thing happen. I have read my Bible more. I have prayed and prayed and prayed. I've confessed everything I know I've done wrong. I've confessed things that I'm not even sure if they were wrong, hoping it would work, and somebody might get healed, and it hadn't worked. Nobody's healed, so God, I can't do it. So, uh, now we pray for your neck. We'll pray for all of you once, and then find out where everything's at, and then... Can I put my hand right here? You have the pain right now? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay, cool. So, Holy Spirit, we release your presence on this man right now. And thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than whatever is causing the pain. So pain, get out. Any infirmity, be gone in Jesus' name. Be healed and restored. Amen. Check. Check. Check your neck. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is a woman giving birth. 1 is not that bad. Okay. What number was it before, and what's it now? It sounds like it was like a 2 and a half or something like before. 7. Oh, really? Is that bad? No, okay. It's not, okay, let's say 4. 4. Oh, okay. Now it's like a 3. Okay, so improved a little. Can I pray for the other side? Yep. Let's see Jesus yeah, yeah. touch it. Just say, do this. Say, thank you, Jesus, for improving my neck. Thank you, Jesus, for improving my neck. Yeah, and thank you, Jesus, we give you the glory. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, pain, get out right now. Neck be completely restored in Jesus' name.
Amen. Check. And I was reading in my Bible, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John pray for a crippled man at the temple gate, and he's walking and leaping and praising God. And a big crowd gathers. And Peter and John say in Acts 3, verse 12 to the crowd, something like, men of Israel, why do you look at us as if it's by our own holiness or our own power that it caused this to happen? And I looked at that, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I have been working very, very hard in order to try to be holy enough to see a miracle happen, and I've failed completely. And these guys were actually seeing the sick get healed and say, why do you look at us as if it's about us? It's not about us, it's about Jesus. And so I said, God, I quit. Besides, according to these guys, it's not about me anyway, it's about you. So if you want to start healing people, you go right ahead, but I can't do it. Which is, I think, what God really actually wanted me to realize. Sometimes he wants us to know that spiritual gifts aren't us. He wants us to know where we stop and where he starts. What the? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do nothing, bro. Jesus did something. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. You have, like, some special medicine. It's not about my holiness. It's not about my righteousness. I'd love to be able to heal the sick. I'd love to be able to, be able to do it by magic, you know, to, to see it. But it's not about me. The reality is it's about Jesus. That's real life. That video is just amazing. I watched it. I couldn't believe the things that you see. And then a bit later on, on that same video, you see those young guys give their life to the Lord. Because they have been impacted, literally on the street, just by someone going to pray for them. Sometimes we can see things on telly and we can see that video and you think, yeah, but that's for an American who, or perhaps he's Canadian, who's over in there and, he's, and that's because they're, very, they're out there doing it. Norman, can you come up and give your testimony, please? Uh, two weeks ago, last Friday, I was having an eye test, and I was obviously telling the uh, optician that I'd had a stroke last August. And uh, she said, well, how have you recovered? I said, well, actually completely. You know, and I've lost weight and all the rest of it, feel really fit. And she said, well, I had a stroke in November. She said, I've kind of recovered, but she said, the bit that's still left to recover is that I have a real problem with my feet and my toes especially. And she said, it's so painful most days that I just live on painkillers and I can't do without them. So I said, well, as a Christian and also as somebody who's experienced the healing power of Jesus a number of times in my life, would you be happy for me to pray for you? I said, I'll pray for you each day. And she said, well, I don't believe in God. She said, I have a very scientific mind. But if you'd like to pray, thank you very much. So I said I would. So I left and then expected a week ago Friday to pick up my new glasses. So about Wednesday, I had this strong feeling that when I went back, I, she was going to share some really good news with me. So I took a gospel booklet 
and a Gideon New Testament uh, with me. So when I got there, she wasn't quite in. So when she came in, the receptionist said, well, Mr. Critchell's got something he wants to give you. So she took me in the little room again, much to their surprise. And her face was so full of joy. And she told me that that evening, she'd known a real improvement. And as the week went on, it got better and better and better. And the thing that she hadn't had to do was to take one painkiller. She said, I don't know what happened. I said, well, I believe that God healed you, that God is your loving Heavenly Father, and he has healed you, whether you have a belief in him or not. She said, well, if you say that, I'll accept it. And she said, thank you for this, the booklet and the New Testament. She said, I will certainly read them and use them. God be praised. See, it's not about you. It's not even about the person. It's about it's a choice from God. See, he has a timing, and for, for this lady, she was, pray, she, was, she was healed progressively over a period of time. In fact, Norman mentioned she didn't, the person didn't even believe in God. Um, Fortunately, Norman had faith. Norman had faith, and he'd grown, that faith had grown in Norman over a period of time, and he was prepared to step out in it. We don't know why God doesn't heal sometimes. Sometimes he heals immediately, and sometimes he, heals, he healed as they went away. Bill Johnson says, We owe the world an encounter with God, and more than just words. That's what that lady had. She had an encounter with God, and it wasn't just words. So if you don't see a healing, then don't try to give a a reason or an answer why God hasn't done something. Just press on and continue to show the love of God. I say, I wish it were me. I wish I could do it myself, but I can't. It's God. And it's good that it's God, actually. Because he's completely trustworthy and good. Because as soon as I get involved, then I could become proud or it's me. It isn't me. It's God. And it's him that we give the glory to. And it's good to hear testimony about why God is, how God has healed and what he's done. Why does God heal? Because he loves us. When, he, when love sees a person in pain, love says that pain needs to be gone. Now I believe the church, that God wants to start in the church. It can be really scary to, pre, to pray for people in the street or our friends if we haven't, haven't had a go in church first. And even this is scary. But he tells us not to be afraid. In fact, that's the most common commandment in the Bible. Don't be afraid. To have courage. Having courage is a choice. And likewise, being discouraged is a choice. So what are you going to choose? We know he doesn't heal. And we don't know sometimes. And we don't, but we know he is God. And if I can trust him with my salvation, I can trust him to make the right decision as to whether he should heal me or not. But we know he loves me. And as a father, he'll give us good gifts. So how about it? Are there any here who are sick? Are there any here who are in pain? Come and get prayer. Come and get prayer. This is not something to be afraid about. And let's just see what happens, where God takes us. 
What I'd like to do is we're going to sing a song next, I believe. And if you'd like prayer, if you're in pain and you'd like prayer, you're suffering, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, then come up to the front, step out in faith, and there'll be people to pray for you. And see what God does. I can't do it, but I know people who can. I know someone who can. And that person is the person of Jesus.